Welcome back to Silver Screen Social. I'm your host, Jackson Vickery, and in honor of our rebrand, I'm giving you guys a bonus episode this week. We're talking to the members of the sound team from Maestro. First up, my conversation with executive music producer and supervising music editor, Jason Reuter. Please enjoy the trailer to Maestro before the interview. If summer doesn't sing in you, then nothing sings in you. And if nothing sings in you, then you can't make music. Something she told me. Hello, I'm Lenny. Hello, Felicia. She's so beautiful. Tell me about her. Oh, she's wonderful. She's a lovely girl. What age are we living in? One can be as free as one likes without guilt or confession. Please, I know exactly who you are. He can be the first great American conductor. There's a price for being in my brother's orbit, you know that. I love people so much that it's hard for me to be alone. That music, it keeps me glued to life. I don't even know how much you need me to. I might. If summer doesn't sing in you, then nothing sings in you. And if nothing sings in you, and you can't make music. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully. How about yourself? Doing well. Well, I have to congratulate you. Um, Oscar shortlisted not too long ago. I know. Just got the news. Thank you. That's incredible. But I mean, obviously, so well-deserved. Oh, thanks. I just, the film is just such, it's a masterwork. I was re-watching it last night in preparation for this, and it just... No, there's going to be, I'm going to have to rewatch it <laughs> so many times because there's just so much to unpack in sort of each layer. It's, I don't know, it, it's it's just the, the meticulousness to what you guys all did was just uh, nothing short of a marvel. And I just, I am so honored to be speaking with you because it's, I, I just am completely stunned by the work oh thank you that's awesome yeah um 
I I really one scene that stuck out to me in particular that I'd love to to chat about is and the one of the main sort of songs I cannot stop playing in my car, oddly enough, is um Mahler's Resurrection. And sure. just love to dive into just <laughs> how you worked. I, I mean, how do you dive into something that grand? But I mean, yeah. You just talk me through the process of of working on that because through my rewatch, it was just as um bone chilling and just like spine tingling as it was when I saw it um at the New York Film Festival, which um yeah. anyway, but yes, cool. please talk me through that process. So it uh <clears throat> we actually Bradley and I started five years ago, I guess. We started kind of discussing the project when we were mixing Star is born. So it it goes back quite a ways. Um and he, you know, we did, um, Star was great. We did a lot of, you know, all the vocals were live that we did on set. And I, I think we all just kind of swear by that <clears throat> methodology. Just, <clears throat> it's so authentic and, and, you know, nothing really looks dubbed or contrived. I mean, you get that super authentic sort of, sort of feeling when you, when you bring it into sound. And, um, you know, he's had this, the Bernstein film in his head for, for forever. And, you know, it, it was finally coming to fruition. And he's like, why don't, you know, we were starting to look at archives back then. And, and he said, why don't we just do the whole thing live? And uh, I, I think I was, I, I mean, I was excited and pretty nervous at the same time. I mean, that's, that's a lot it's a lot of risk, I think, to to sell the concept, you know, budget-wise, studio-wise, all that sort of thing. Like, um, it's not the cheapest way to work, and it's and it's risky. I mean, there's there's always, um, you know, vocals you'll get several takes, and you can fix things. But if, if you have that many players and a chorus, uh, especially in an environment like that, which is not the easiest to record in, um, it gets pretty 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 complicated quickly so you know we we um we started thinking about you know we had enlisted Yannick to to help as as a conductor consultant and um I think one of the things conceptually was you know we we wanted to make this immersive experience like you know you're actually sitting in this performance so it's it's very different than like film scoring techniques where you really get into a controlled scoring stage and you mic every instrument independently and you stripe everything and you have like ultimate control. It's it's kind of uh, it kind of becomes the wild west sort of quickly in terms of, of technical because um, we only had a day to shoot it, so that that was extra stressful. Um, and I think you know a lot of it was was you know, what orchestra we were going to enlist and the LSO was obviously kind of the price choice and that, that sort of all, all worked out great. Um, gosh, I mean, I don't even know where, you know, we went over about six months before the shoot, we did a tech scout at Ely Cathedral and um, it was a time, it was beautiful. I mean, it's just, it's an unbelievable space. It, I was a little concerned about the sound just because it's, it's like just this giant cavern. I was like, little nervous about this you know how we're going to get a good recording in here 
And I think everybody was sort of anxious, you know, what if something goes wrong? What if we just pick up too much camera noise? What if, you know, um, uh, we get a bad recording due to the reverb and anything was starting to kind of pile up. And then we, so we came up with a pretty good plan after, after studying the environment for quite a bit. Um, I found two engineers that work with the LSO out of the Barbican that um, Jonathan and Neil from Classic Sound that were a huge help. They'd actually recorded at Ely before. So that was kind of a huge win for us technically to, to, to bring them into the fold. And um, we had, I kind of had a plan going into it. I mean, we studied the 73 Burton archive quite a bit and, you know, there were a couple mics in frame. We were trying to, you know, anything in frame, we were trying to replicate, you know, with period microphones and things. And then um, uh, I knew Bradley wanted a cable cam for the, the, the big above shot, which I'm like, this is going to really be challenging with the microphone placement. So I, I came up with a, I talked to the producers. I'm like, I think we need to talk to VFX and kind of put in like a, you know, a, an orchestra tree like you would normally for recording purposes. And then we'll paint it out later. And mm. we, we got there on the tech scout and we kind of showed Bradley and he's like, oh no, I'm not using that. So then we, you know, it's like, I don't even know how tall it is to the, the tower in there. So the, then it was like, okay, I guess we'll, we'll climb up and the guys will sling cables down from the ceiling. A little concerned about the height, but it, it all, it all worked out great. We hit a few spot mics out of frame and, um, you know, the other thing that was, that, that was a challenge was the notion of click tracks, which is kind of like what we tend to lean on in post-production. That's kind of our guide track for editing and, you know, it wasn't something that was part of Lenny's world. So I think conceptually, uh, I was like, Bradley, are we going to use clicks? And he's like, would Lenny use clicks? And I'm like, nope. He's like, well, there's your answer. So that that went out the window. <laughs> a lot of, you know, a lot of the safety nets that that you kind of go to um, were sort of uh, were sort of abandoned just just to go for this super live, authentic piece. Um, mm. So turned out incredible yeah really incredible and what was it like sort of just witnessing day of it, it was I mean I it was probably my the most stressful day I've ever had in 25 years of working in this line of work just <laughs> you know it, it was um I think everybody was nervous I mean it, it was an expensive way to shoot uh you know nobody wanted to we we just everybody dove full in and, and wanted to go for it. And we were just praying that, you know, I hope we don't have to go back and post record this and, you know, do any trickery later. So um, it all worked out great. We got a great sound. The orchestra was incredible. Bradley was extra incredible. Um, we got the one shot uh, and it was just, it was magical. I mean, I can't say enough about it. Mm -hmm. And what is it um, that you learned about Bradley in particular on this project, having worked with him um, in the past? And I, I'm curious what, what I don't know, what maybe a nugget that you took away from just working with him on um, Maestro. You know, I mean, he's he's so ambitious and such a risk taker I think as a filmmaker and um 
I mean, he just, he loves sound. It's, it's something he's like so passionate about, which is, it's amazing really. Um, and he's just, he's one of those people that I learned on Stars Born, you know, cause we got into some kind of improv situations on set on that movie. And um, he's just somebody that you, you just fully trust. I mean, it's just, you know, like you just like, Put it this way, if any other director would have asked me to do that, I probably would have said no, because I'm like, this is <laughs> going to go wrong. I'm going to get in trouble for, like, you know, taking too much of a, a risk that we can't execute. And but Bradley's the guy that everybody everybody dives in with. Hmm. Yeah, yeah it, it's interesting. I was chatting with uh, Steve Morrow um, and just hearing the story about, I mean, uh, uh, the the glad I think it was Gladsonberry and yeah. having the, just the way that was actually I would that would absolutely terrify me and just yeah. having to do that in basically 10 minutes and I mean yeah. it's such a part of the film um yeah. so it it's it's just wild to me um but I mean we're obviously looking back um at a picture or a portrait of of these two um, central figures. Um, but I'm wondering in sort of the cultural landscape today, what do you take away from from this um, this dynamic couple and, and Leonard Bernstein um, maybe in particular? Um, I just find the story incredibly emotional. I mean, it's just, it's it's, there's like this, um, I really didn't, I, I really didn't know all that about Lenny, to be honest. Like I didn't fully, I mean, I took a pretty deep dive when I started the project and, and I didn't know the full family scope, you know? Um, and it, it was just, it's just, it's such a, um, it's just such a powerful story that the, the closeness that these two had and the, the family bond and, um, you know, the, still the, you know, Felicia, just her, as a person, it's just an incredible human being, you know? Um, mm. So it was, uh, it was just, I mean, every scene's just, for me, is just so emotional, you know? And then was there anything in your conversation with the, the burned scene children that you learned that helped inform the sound itself? You know, the sound, it wasn't, it, it really didn't come up. I mean, Bradley was was working with them, showing them cuts. Um, so uh, they weren't on set. They kind of, I, I think they, there was a lot of trust there with, with the kids to sort of, you know, let Bradley, um, I, I know they had, story comments and things that they they really wanted to bring a, a truth and authenticity to and um it really didn't trickle into the music or, or the or the sound i mean they were they were very open to uh, all the choices that we came up with and the you know um the lso and yannick they were they sort of just blessed everything it was it seemed super supportive um mm. And it's not, you know, we didn't have um, 
you know, anyone from the Bernstein estate really coming to mixes and checking on things. I mean, I think we sent cuts out, but but we really never heard anything back. Like, you know, this is wrong or incorrect or, um, you know, I think Yannick's was just invaluable with, you know, helping, you know, especially in the things that we recorded for score uses, sort of, um, uh, he helped weigh in on what takes we chose and mixes and, you know, what needed to be highlighted and things like that. So, um, he really was, was an amazing, uh, person to have on board. Lovely to mm. work with. Just the coolest guy. He's just amazing. I can't say enough good things about him. Mm. And then final question and just our final minute. Um, I, I'm curious, I mean, now that the film is, out in theaters, out on Netflix as of today, um, or as of yesterday, I should say. Um, yeah. What what do you hope that audiences take away from um, from this film in comparison to past films that you've worked on? Um, I, I hope that that it, you know, there's just. tough question i mean i think you know i i think just just the the level of compassion and in, in the people and the um compassion and passion for music and people in life and um how all that stuff is still um you like it's just it's it's kind of life as we know it it's complicated and it's 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 brilliant and it's hard and it's you know it's all those things and um I, I think it's it, it's uh it's a beautiful image of 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 uh of a difficult family dynamic I think and I, I think that's I hope that resonates with a lot of people <laughs>
you th we're thinking, wow, this is a great movie, but uh, we're so happy to know that it was invalidated because as we're working on it, we just keep falling in love with it. But you know, you're you're on it. It's you, you're you're working on the project, so you really don't know because you're in you know no. insular insulated. Yeah, we never. We always have this, uh, you know, I hope people like this, but, you know, you have no idea whether you, you know, uh, have lost perspective sort of, or if people are going to get it, you know, you never know that because there's mm -hmm. other things we've done that we've really liked and, and it doesn't, you know, seem to catch or something, you know, and mm -hmm. you don't know why. But this, but th this one definitely is, we knew from the start, it was a special movie. Yeah. Mm. And so can you talk to me just about, I mean, your initial conversations with each other and with um, Bradley just in regards to the project um, and really what what the focus needed to be when it when it came to the sound, because it's obviously so important. Yeah, um, there was, you know, as Dean's pointed out a few times, um, you know, when when we first started in on it, Bradley was telling us that this sound is so important for this movie. It's more important than A Star is Born and um, that it was going to be super critical and everything. And, um, you know, so there was a lot of, you know, focus put onto it, you know, throughout the process and, um you know, we, we talked about a lot of different things. Um, some of which we didn't do, you know, uh, but lots of ideas, you know, I mean, that's one of the things Bradley really wants to, to collect all of the ideas from everybody. He likes to collaborate with everybody. And it's not just like, oh, you're sort of stuck in that box over there and you're only allowed opinions related to, you know, what you're doing or something it's it's kind of a you know if you've got a good idea let's hear it and um you know and sometimes if you have a bad idea let's hear it and shoot it down <laughs> but uh you know um so i think you know we we've toyed with some stuff in the beginning about you know dean and i talked about um processing the audio to be you know technically very true to the time periods of filmmaking that we go through because you kind of jump through these decades of their life um spanning 50 years or so and and it would be cool we talked about oh maybe we do something when we just start out in mono or we we take the entire you know soundtrack for the first little bit and actually record it to an optical track and then re-ingest it from there so that it has this true, you know, old film sound. And uh, anyways, we went like stuff like that. We went through and, and ultimately decided that wasn't serving the movie that was sort of tripping up in the some of the technical stuff that wasn't going to, you know, really support the... Uh, the emotion and the feeling and the the movie as a whole um and so we instead just tried to you know within 
you know, modern technology, Atmos and stuff, um, give a feeling of those eras by how we mixed things and what was put into the track, how much material or whatever. Um, and not, you know, not be so worried about trying to be technically accurate, you know, to an old uh, 40s or 50s film. So, yeah. and then, you know, another major note was that the whole movie is, is a symphony. You know, it's the whole thing is music. Even when there's not music playing, it has to be musical and it has to, you know, have that um musicality that was so, such a part of Leonard Bernstein's life and you know it really had to flow and and have movements like a symphony would mm. and Dean anything you would like to add there no it was a pretty spot on um just to, mm. to, to going back to what when Bradley first talked to us we were you know, this was more important than a star. He was born, we were like, well, didn't really know what he meant until we started to discuss how he wanted the movie to sound and or how uh, there was a rhythm, there had to be a rhythm to how the movie sounded. Um, then we kind of figured out what Bradley was talking about, how much importance that was sonically to the movie to uh, get the feel we were traveling through you know 50 years of through time and uh, yeah pretty much I'm just going to be an echo chamber to what Tom said hmm. and so how was it I mean <laughs> how did the sound evolve over time um, for you guys through those decades I think uh, sound effects wise, um, in order to stay aesthetically true to the movie, we it was very, very uh, we, we we didn't overplay material. Everything was specific and um, true to to the era, i.e., the visuals. A lot of modern movies, I've, I've said this before, even though everything was 100% filled with Foley and whatnot, we started to surgically de decide where and what Foley needed to be heard and what was not necessary. Um, it was and, and what rhythmically worked. And Richard King, the supervised sound editor, uh, things were cut with a rhythm to them. You didn't, they just weren't sound effects, weren't backgrounds weren't plastered just to fill up the scene. They, they had movement, they had uh, a definite tempo to them. And uh, Bradley was keen on that. And then uh, dialogue wise, Tom, I think the dialogue in this movie is, sounds beautiful. I think it's really great work mm -hmm. and i i would love to dive into a few scenes in particular i mean the one that um will probably be one of my just top three in the the year and something i 
play far too much in my car, which I don't know what to, what that says about me, um, would be um, the sequence where Resurrection is played. Um, and just, I mean, the amount of, I just, I, it's such a feat. I it Just a, from a logistical standpoint, but from a sound standpoint, I mean, you just, I've never heard anything quite like that on film before. And I'm, I'm so curious how you guys tackled something as grandiose as that, because it just is, it's a mammoth. I can, I can only imagine. Yeah, that, you know, that has a long story attached to it. <laughs> uh, and, and uh, you know, the truth is that a big part of that story is uh, happening before Dean and I get our hands on it. Um you know, so, you know, we start talking about a star is born. I mean, you know, during a star is born, we started talking about Maestro. Um, and, you know, that scene was kind of one that was already, uh, you know, in Bradley's head. You know, there's there's real, you know, you could look up on YouTube right now and see actual, you know, Leonard Bernstein in the Ely Cathedral doing that you know Mahler piece and um so there was already sort of this reference and this idea that that was something that needed to be a part of the movie and um so and Bradley wanted to record it all live um so you know Jason Reuter um who's our supervising music editor and you know music producer had the task of you know, trying to figure out how to pull that off um, and um, spent a bunch of time and um, researching things. And, and, and basically, you know, the short version is figured out um, a, uh, there's a company called classic sound that has, you know, is in London and, and, uh, or England and who, um, has recorded, you know, in the Ely Cathedral before, has recorded, you know, the London Symphony Orchestra a number of times. And so they had the experience and knowledge to know how to do that. And then, of course, working with Jason, you know, they had to tweak and alter that because they're filming this. And, and so that's a slightly different setup maybe than they would normally do. But, um, you know, needing to get enough mics in the right places and keep them out of the camera. Um, and, uh, you know, that was a major task, but obviously they got that done. And, um, you know, what you see in the end is largely made up of this big, you know, one shot tracking shot that flies over the orchestra and, goes up to Lenny and then, you know, kind of comes back and lands over Felicia's shoulder in the end. Um, that was kind of the last take and, um, and a sort of somewhat last minute idea. It was not originally, you know, planned that way. Um, but what they were doing wasn't really working out and, and Bradley had this idea to do that and really wanted to, you know, as he's talked about a bunch, you know, fearlessly be able to uh, show that 
him in the same frame attached to the orchestra, you know, conducting and um, especially in a big shot like that, like that's massive. I mean, that's, it <laughs> takes some real guts um, to stand in front of the LSO and do that. I mean, I don't know, you know, uh, how you do that, but anyhow, so that all gets recorded and, um, you know, they essentially balance that out with a whole bunch of 5.1 stems that, um, you know, are focused on the different uh, sets of, you know, the groupings of the instruments. So, you know, you have the strings and the brass and the percussion and the, the choir and the soloists. And, and so those are all, you know, separate parts when they're handed to me um it's all recorded live so they're all happening at the same time and so all of them are bleeding onto each other you know uh, it's not isolated um and so you know in a big space like that there is a ton of space to it you know actual the actual room you know feeding back into the mics this the reverb in that room so uh, you know, when you get to the end and you hear this big ring out of, you know, the cathedral itself, you know, uh, reverb and echo in there, that's all real. That's all actually, you know, on the day they had to, you know, tell everybody to, you know, be quiet for a moment and let that happen. And um, that's a pretty powerful moment i think just to have that space where you really feel you know that music resolve and the space go and and it's just super cool and then the way the the applause comes in and you hear individuals into the group and you know it gets bigger it just feels so real you know i've had a number of people comment to us that you know they thought the people sitting next to them were you know, clapping or they can't tell the difference because, you know, I've been in the theater and people start clapping in there. Um, anyhow, so, you know, as we're tracking through those shots, you know, we're trying to, you know, shift things and, and clarify moments with, you know, whether that's the strings or, you know, uh, a timpani player or the choir where they are physically in in the shot as well as you know what things you should be sort of being able to just pick out of the the whole symphony playing you know if you're sort of focusing in on one thing you want to be able to pick that out from the the you know palette of what you're hearing and uh so that's all the work we're doing, you know, kind of on the back end after they've done all that hard work on the front end. Mm. And Dean, anything to add, add there as well? No, uh, we just, uh, sound effects wise, we just came in with the room sound and then as uh, music hits, we peel back and uh, waited, waited our turn with the uh with the applause and got us into the next scene to the hospital to the doctor's office but uh every time i listen 
watch that scene, I still get emotional. It, uh, and I, I get emotional in several points of this movie. It, it never, after seeing it as many times as we do a movie, I still never tire of it. Still get emotional. Still get choked up. It, it, it's a that scene is a powerful scene, but the movie is just such a powerful movie mm. for me. Yeah. And another scene in particular that I find really powerful and you sort of see it in its two instances um, is where um, Bradley and Carrie have their backs to each other and they um, do uh, in the in the park. And I, I'm curious uh, what you wanted to take from the beginning gestation of that and sort of carry it over into its later stage. Um, I mean, as as their sort of love story starts to unfold and um, because I just think that was such a beautiful moment and um, everything that's going around um, or going on around them, it's just so, I mean, they're in two different spots in their lives. And um, I'm just curious what you were able to sort of take from one to use for the other and take inspiration from, or um, if that makes sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. And yeah. You're very perceptive. The the first time we see they we see them, it's in black and white, and the relationship is all very new and fresh. And our part, the backgrounds, they're just very uh, light and airy and open and fresh. And birds are, you know, uh, um, lack of a better word, happy, happy sounding. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we go to Central Park, and that that Central Park scene actually starts in the scene prior to where they're about to get into the limousine. And what's interesting is it's a it's very brief, but uh, you cut to the limousine and the limousine door opens, and for that very short time we're inside the limousine bradley said to us on the first temp dub we did three temp dubs of this movie he said that interior limousine i want it to sound like a coffin oh wow and uh so you cut should they get the bad news they you cut to the brief moment of that limousine it's it's dead sounding and then that door opens up and the world comes alive and we as the door opens up, we pop into the Atmos and into surrounds. And then he takes her out of the limousine. And then we cut to that long shot of Central Park. Now, Central Park is the juxtaposition of what's happening in their lives. They just got this devastated news. But if you hear the sounds of Central Park still alive, the birds are not so happy. They're not the same as they were. Tanglewood, but you hear kids playing, you hear activity from Group ADR, you hear life. And so it's kind of taking, you know, life goes on even with the devastation of the news. And two very powerful scenes and underneath the big underlying emotional undertones. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, I would point out that the pretty much, you know, everywhere in the movie, um, 
a lot of attention is paid to uh, sort of the emotional connection of those background sounds and what they're what they're evoking you know what i mean and this is kind of where it's like normally that's music doing that you know telling you some way to feel or leading you in that direction and you know in in this case because that we're sort of treating the whole movie as if it's this musical um piece in those cases where we have scenes like that or you know there is in the second one at least there is music in there but um but the backgrounds play you know sort of that part of carrying and letting you know you know how to feel by how it shapes the tonality of the scene you know like that first scene you know or some of those early scenes when they're falling in love things are very happy and bright and you know um light feeling you know um and then other times there's a heaviness you know with some of the wind work that dean and richard did with you know just how those things shape and just it kind of puts this darkness and weight to stuff that make you you know sort of feel you know the the weight of the world on them and and sort of sadness and whatever um and so mm -hmm. i think like those two scenes that you're pointing out you know the first one very much is is a lighter you know happier falling in love and the the second one is a more like dean's saying there's this they've got this bad news but then there's life in the scene and there's it's a much more complicated uh emotion in that scene because there's this tension and whatever and and he's he's saying he's there for her and he's going to support her and be with her and everything and and she's you know wrestling with both the news and you know this their relationship at that point has gone through all these you know rough things and so she's processing all of that and it's just like it's a much heavier you know version <laughs> of that mm -hmm. sitting in the park back to back mm. and then the final scene i would just love to touch on just briefly i mean is when um felicia's character um dies uh, or carrie mulligan's character um felicia dies and um, I, I just, I mean, and you have to treat that obviously with so much respect. I mean, because she is the the centerpiece of this film. And um, I'm just curious how you guys towed that line um, and, and sort of bringing it sort of full circle um, uh, in that particular moment. Well, that, you know, is, you know, from a, sound standpoint it's all about their breathing and the rhythm of their breathing and you know the the difficulty is that that production is is really tricky um just with the sort of balance between them you know um and trying to get that to play correctly um 
she was, you know, a lot lighter than him, you know, in terms of levels on mics and what was there. And, and then there was a lot of, you know, uh, noise and movement stuff that, you know, all had to be wrestled into, uh, a place where we, you know, feel close to them. Um, and, and that they're more equally balanced. Um, and it, it shifts through that scene where, you know, she gets progressively lighter, you know, as she's, you know, running out of breath. Um, and, you know, that's something also we, we played with how to end that. We had different versions um, where his breathing continued over the next shot of looking out the window um, and, you know, different iterations of that. But ultimately it, it shapes the way you see it where it all all of that settles and stops by that end shot and then um and then we see them run out you know uh out on the grass um but yeah obviously that's a delicate scene i think there's a lot of very delicate scenes in this movie um that's one of the things that i think makes it you know, a great soundtrack is that we have this very wide spread of these very delicate scenes all the way up to something like the Ely Cathedral that is this, you know, massive uh, presentation of, of you know, the symphony playing there. Um, and, you know, the scope of, in a way, that mirrors, you know, the scope of the sound mirrors their relationship you know and the extremities that that goes through and and you know these tender moments to these you know kind of pretty harsh and fighting moments and um so anyhow um i think that you know it, it obviously has to uh affect us as an audience uh, i think the story is doing that but um we have to feel like we are with them and sitting right there you know um and and just feeling their humanity and you know how hard it is for him to lose her so um yeah yeah, and I, I'll just add to that the the uh, again room tones were a a big deal in this film, and they they change tones as as emotions in the room in the scenes changed in that particular scene, and also about the rhythm of backgrounds in this movie. A lot of times, even on hard cuts. Backgrounds never had hard cut to them. And what I mean by that is if we're in a the scene on the A side, the B side backgrounds will come in pretty early and the A side and the B side backgrounds kind of cross uh, sometimes before the cut, sometimes after the cut. And in this particular scene, in order to pay respect of what just happened, it took us a long time to get the rhythm of those backgrounds from the bedroom 
crossing into that high shot window shot. So the the B side background actually comes in quite a, quite a bit into the A side scene, and those backgrounds cross where you don't don't know. And then the fade out of that those backgrounds took a long time to get that out of the way when the kids start to run to Lenny and we're watching from that window right before the music comes in. Mm. We spend a lot of time on that transition. Mm. Yes. It was, it, it's all again, just to kind of how emotionally it's, we feel going in and out of these shots, but the timing with Bradley was pretty critical when those back went, when the sound of those scene changes came and then specifically the background going away when you see the kids running up to Lenny that was a that took a long time it was a big it was a lot a lot of work and a big deal how he wanted it to feel mm, in yeah. the movie it goes by so quickly you don't really know what's happened you don't really notice it but you would notice it if it wasn't right yeah the trick the, is... the viewer would know yeah, the trick is that, you know, they say, you know, if you're thinking about the sound, then you're not. We didn't do it right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, as like the stuff like that, you know, what is happening with the wind gusts or, you know, even bird tweets or, you know, those are like every single thing in the movie like that is played with and you know messed with to get it just right i think you know that's something that would be taken for granted you know easily because it seems like something you're not you know as an audience member you're not thinking about that those things or that you would even be able to move those things around or whatever but you know bradley sat there with us and it was like okay this gust coming in you know, like in a spot like that, it is an emotional thing and it can't come in too early or it's breaking, you know, something. And if it's too late, it's not serving its purpose. And, you know, then its level has to be right so that it feels like it's natural and it's, you know, giving us this last breath. And um, so, you know, it's like every little thing is, is, you know, toiled over to figure out the exact right you know spot for it to be mm -hmm. 